Greetings, everyone. I'm excited to welcome Matt Caulfield, founder and CEO of Ort, to the show. Matt, welcome. Thanks, Ben. Thanks for having me here. Yeah, great to have you here. So let's dive in. Tell us a little about a little bit about your background in SaaS and technology. Uh, sure thing. So <laughs> I spent about ten years at Cisco building hardware uh, and on-prem software. So SaaS background pretty limited, other uh, than I'm the founder and CEO of Ort, which is a SaaS cybersecurity company. Uh, based here in Boston, which is where I am. Okay. And so, right. So, but pre or you were, tell us a little bit about your, your background, you know, is it, was a technical background, engineering, hardware? Tell us a little bit more about that. Definitely. Uh, so I'm an engineer turned entrepreneur. Uh, mm -hmm. I spent about 10 years at Cisco before this working on cloud networking, infrastructure, security, really kind of nitty gritty of, of systems engineering. And, uh, and always on the engineering side. I, the last thing I did at Cisco was running the Boston innovation team for them on innovation projects. Uh, but at the same time, working with some of these huge companies like Comcast and Verizon and T-Mobile, everything is on-prem with them and everything that Cisco sells is still on-premise. And although we were, as a company, stepping into more SaaS motions, um, it wasn't until Ort that I was really fully in the, the, the SaaS sphere, so to speak. Okay. Yeah. So interesting. So engineer by trade, working at Cisco, large companies, developing your experience, and then made that, that flip to entrepreneur and founder. So what, tell us a little bit about that, about that. What triggered that? Did you see a market opportunity? What was that, that genesis to, to move you over to the founder side? Yes. Yes. And that's something I, I would recommend necessarily is like go work, you know, work for a big company uh, and then go directly into starting a, a SaaS startup. This, it's a, it took a while actually to come up to speed on a lot of the differences there, both in terms of size and in terms of the model. Um, so I definitely recommend for anybody listening to this, like go work for a SaaS startup first before you, before you start your own. That said, we're doing really well now. Um, some of the things, you know, we, we worked on there, uh, you know, like video streaming, things like that, you know, they, they don't necessarily translate into the, you know, the world of SaaS um, purely from a architecture perspective, but uh, what made me make the leap wasn't the technology, it was really the market opportunity. So seeing how a big company, um, any big company really, does security today and how hard it is to integrate all the different players in the space. You think about this typical, even like mid-sized business, they probably have 10, 15 security software vendors really struggle to pull that all together into a you know, single platform that's, mm -hmm. that's effective. And even if they do that, they're probably still not stopping the breaches that are going on. I uh, really thought that you know we could do this better way and, and wanted to leave Cisco and start from first principles and build the next generation platform for enterprise security, starting with what we do, which is identity security, identity first security. Okay, well, that's a perfect uh, transition to the next question. Yeah, tell us more about or what what does it do? Yes, so let me frame this a bit. Uh, whereas maybe 10 years ago, we needed to worry about you know, zero day exploits and hackers kind of hacking into machines that were sitting in a server room or a closet somewhere. That's not how attacks happen anymore. Every major breach of 2022 has been an identity-based breach. No you know, software exploits or people doing nefarious things in, in binary. It's really account takeover is what we call it. You can imagine that any employee account that's taken over by an attacker can then be used against the organization, whether you're a big organization or a small organization, you should be worried about whether your accounts are safe from being taken over. Uh, oftentimes, they're sent through social engineering. You're sent a, a web page that looks like 
your login page and you send a text message that looks like it's some, from somebody in IT. And that's usually how attackers get in in the first place, at least in 2022. And unfortunately, security teams don't really have any tools to protect against this. Your endpoint and your device and your antivirus software isn't going to help you. Your network security, your firewalls, not going to help you because it looks like, for all intents and purposes, uh, the uh, the employee themselves. So that, that's what work does. Mm -hmm. We come into enterprise organizations. We help them get a lay of the land for their identities, employees, non employees. We help them find the ones that are vulnerable to take over, and then we help protect those identities from being taken over and exploited and used against the organization in an attack. And really interesting. So when the hackers do this with this identity breach, are they trying to find, is it just kind of random like, oh, I, I just hacked the CFO and he or she has access to all these accounts versus say a sales rep versus like an internal IT administrator? Is it kind of like who you hacked and what they have access to? Yes. The CFO is always the target. It's like the favorite, <laughs> okay. the favorite target. Um, one of the yeah one of the most effective attacks is is uh, vendors changing or somebody who's um, posing as a vendor emailing a CFO and saying hey we changed our account information our new routing number is this and our new account number is that could you please update us in QuickBooks or whatever you're using to pay your vendors mm -hmm. and usually it just takes an email um that that's a, that's an email attack from yeah. an identity perspective you can imagine like if I could take over the account of the CFO for a major organization. Um, whether you're using Okta for sign-in or Azure AD or Ping, you can imagine like you get into that account and you get a dashboard, usually a launcher view of like all these little tiles. Here's QuickBooks, here's NetSuite, here's Oracle. You know, I can click on any one of these as I know that the CFO has access to them. And I can get into that. I can start making changes. I can start looking at financial data. It's a hugely problematic attack factor that there's very little that can be done, unfortunately, today without work. Yeah. Okay. That's, that's really interesting. Well, I'm glad I brought that up. Yeah. Now I'm a little more, more afraid now of yeah. <laughs> identity breaches here. So, uh, but awareness, right. Creating that awareness. And so what, uh, what year did you found ORT? Yep. So we really got our start in 2019. Uh, that's when I left Cisco and really took the plunge. Uh, we raised our first pre-seed round uh, that, that summer in the summer of 2019 and really got things rolling at that point with this really huge vision for building the next gen enterprise security platform. Mm -hmm. um, and then it wasn't until the next year that we narrowed that down to focusing on identity as the first use case for that platform. Okay. Yeah. Really interesting. We'll talk you know, a little product market fit here. So Found in 2019, raised your pre-seed uh, that summer. And then where, where's your company located? So we're, hard question to answer. So we're yeah. primarily in Boston, uh, but you can imagine found in 2019, really started rolling in 2020. We're remote first. Uh, we were kind of born in the age of COVID and, and, and the company was created under those circumstances. Mm -hmm. uh, so although most of the executive team is in the Boston area, we all usually work from home or from private offices and we get together maybe once a quarter, once a month. Um, but the entire company is you know, the extended team spans three continents, to be honest. Um, mm -hmm. We have people in Israel, um, can't build a security company with an out an Israeli engineering team. So we've got four great engineers in Israel uh, who we work with closely. We also have our front end development team down in South America, uh, in Uruguay. Um, they're awesome. So we kind of model what we see in our customers, which is like modern enterprises, they're not in a single city or location, mm -hmm. they're distributed, they're working collaboratively you know, over the internet, um, remote first. That's great. And then tell, and your team size currently? 
We're at about 20. We just 20. crossed the 20 person threshold. Oh, okay, great. Uh, and, and still hiring or kind of at that level right now? Uh, yes. So we're continuing to build out and talk more about what we're doing with our most recent fundraise. But our focus right now is on go to, go to market um, and a little bit on, uh, on product management, you know, building out some of the, the, the foundational team there. But the past several years have been very R&D focused. Mm -hmm. um, we think we've got that down. Um, okay. Next, you know, at least right now, next you know, year or so is going to be very much sales and marketing focused. Yeah, definitely. We'll talk a little bit more about that. And anything you want to share around your, your revenue range, AR, AR range to give us a sense of scale? Sure. Yeah, we're still sub 1 million in ARR. Uh, we've got about you know 10 paying customers, but these are enterprise deals. I think we're, yeah. we're crossing that threshold fairly, fairly soon um, in, in the next few months. Okay. Uh, all right. Sub 1 million ARR, about 10 customers, enterprise. And then, yeah, let's talk go-to-market motion for this. So are you targeting, is this mid-market? Is this mainly enterprise? Kind of, you know, tell us a little bit about that. What are average deal sizes? I guess, you know, free, you know, it sounds like they're on the larger end. Yeah, so we uh, we see a range um, in terms of deal sizes just mm -hmm. because we're trying to get a feel for where's our sweet spot in the market. Uh, we know there's broad appeal for a product like this. Everyone, literally everyone has this problem, whether you're a small business or a large business. Um, we tend to focus on companies with a thousand or more employees and usually hundred million or more in revenue. So anywhere from small enterprise to really large enterprise. And there's some much bigger accounts that we're working with. Um, we tend to see deal sizes uh, right now because this is an emerging space, identity mm -hmm. security, whereas a, a chief security officer will have line items for firewalls and intrusion detection and all these other things. They don't have a line item yet for identity security or what we call identity threat detection. Um, it's an emerging space. So usually we're grabbing discretionary budget, usually around like 50K to land, but then the expansion opportunity is usually much larger than that. Um, we're already seeing, you know, some of our renewables coming up and things are looking very positive on that front that, okay, we put this on discretionary last year, we realized the value here. And so there's a lot of room to, to grow. Mm -hmm. And then tell us about now is this, and you just raised, uh, what is it, um, 15 million in funding. And now is that now it's more into that go-to-market motion. So is this now that outbound motion, sales reps, SDRs? Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. So on the round, so we, we've raised about 15 million total over the lifetime of the company. Uh, the most recent round was the Series A, which is about 11 million in you know, total value. Uh, mm -hmm. So with that 11 million, yes, the focus is on go-to-market. Um, mm -hmm. We're shoring up you know, the existing team, the R&D piece, but the main place we're, we're now investing new money is, uh, is, is in go-to-market. And the focus, as you can expect, with who we're targeting, you know, our ICP being 1,000 plus employees, mm -hmm. uh, 100 million more in revenue, companies that are using typically like Okta or Azure AD for single sign-on, um, mm -hmm. that limits us down to a very specific ICP that we're going after mainly with a direct sales motion today. Um, mm -hmm. It's been founder-led sales up until mm -hmm. this point. My CTO, Didi, and I have been responsible for the first you know, several deals through the door. And just now we're trying to see, hey, can people other than the CEO and the CTO sell this thing? Uh, so it's kind of this grand experiment um, that we're running with, with, with other folks. So we're building out a sales team. Uh, we've got uh, three sales reps, a sales leader, and we're going to be expanding that team up to at least four sales reps before the end of this year. And then we'll you know, continue to grow. As long as we continue yeah. to see the pull from the market and the demand uh, materializes, we'll continue to invest on that front. And then we're also building out a marketing team. You know, we're building, bringing in a marketing leader, 
uh, bringing in uh, budget, discretionary budget for marketing so that we can experiment with different channels and get that working. And then how the go-to-market strategy evolves, uh, it depends on how things go with the direct motion, mm -hmm. but we're already investing in channel, uh, both technical alliance mm -hmm. partners. Security is like an ecosystem. It's mm -hmm. not just one company that owns it all. You need to play well with big players, whether it's Okta or Microsoft or Cisco or Palo Alto or Zscaler, no matter how, how who it is or how it is, you need to fit into the architecture that the security architecture usually reports to the CISO that they're trying to build. And so we're starting to lay the groundwork for those, those partnerships and we're really excited about that. Um, we're, and we even announced a Microsoft partnership a couple of weeks ago. We've announced you know, Snowflake, a few other ones that we've done. Um, but then, yeah, beyond that, typical you know, value-added resellers, uh, global integrators like you know, Deloitte, um, some companies like Optiv and GuidePoint who specialize in identity. Uh, these are all prime targets for us for, for a part, from a partnership perspective. Great, really, yeah, really interesting. And who, what is that that persona that you're reaching out to in that outbound motion? Like, what kind of titles? Who are you reaching out to 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 make that initial contact? Yes, so we like to think that we can get in front of chief security officers, but so do five thousand <laughs> other security startups. Uh, so we we don't kid ourselves. We try it. Um, usually, those happen best not through outbound sales, but through referrals and warm introductions through our investors, through our existing customers making referrals. That's usually how we get in front of those C-level executives. Mm -hmm. Security. Um, what does work though is reaching out to security architects and security analysts and directors of security a little bit lower in the organization to help them understand and educate them on identity security. What it is that we're doing and how we can help with that problem. So it's sort of a multi-pronged approach. We come in both top down, but also kind of midway in the organization through outbound. Yeah, I always find that fascinating, the, the motion there. So yeah, those referrals, those warm intros to get to those C-level conversations, but then that bottom-up outbound motion to then kind of get into the, the right spot within the org. Uh, yes. Yeah, really, really interesting. So and then, so you mentioned capital raise. So fifteen uh, was it fifteen million to date, and then eleven with your your latest round, and deploying that go to market motion and building out marketing, uh, and then you know shoring up R and D. And so, you know, with that raise, what you know, it's really interesting. You know, I think this helps out founders. Like, what did you see? You know, what triggers milestones that said, yeah, we're ready for some significant capital. Uh, you know, was it, you know, product market fit conversations with customers? Tell us a little bit about, you know, what you saw that said, hey, we're, it's time to raise. Yes. Yeah, that's a great question. Um, so part, part of it is um, uh, a huge part of it is product market fit. Going from that, and I've talked to lots of other founders and investors about this, that feeling of, hey, we're starting to feel the pull here that what we've built solves a real problem and people are really digging their teeth into it and, and using it. So getting to that point where we had a handful of paying customers who are very, very engaged. Um, it's not that they just bought the product and it was shelfware, but they were very engaged with us, meeting with us on a weekly basis. We were riffing off of their product ideas and we got it to a point where they've become promoters really you know, of, of, what, of what we're doing. They were willing to talk to investors for us. That was a very necessary milestone in order to, we couldn't go to the investors unless the customers were at a point where they were raving about the product. So that, that was very much necessary. The other piece of it was having some revenue in the door. Um, I think uh, the goalposts have moved a lot on that between 2021 and 2022. Um, so we had enough to get, to get going. 
Um, I think, you know, if 2021, we might've raised a bigger round and a much higher valuation, but we'd probably be screwed right now uh, when it came to our series B because they yeah. would put us in a really bad spot. I think we're in a very healthy spot right now, given where our revenue is. Um, and then other than that, I think pipeline, um, knowing that, it, okay, you got a few paying customers, but you also fly on a site to 10X that number of customers. You know, you have line of sight to get to 1 million, 2 million, 3 million ARR. Um, and it's credible. Like you can go through the pipeline and scrub it with your investors and they understand like, okay, these are legitimate opportunities, not just, you know, people you can shook hands with once in a uh, yeah. time. Um, other than that, uh, no, I think that, that, that qualitative feel of product market fit and being able to speak uh, with authority that what we're doing really matters now and there's a burning need for it, um, that, that's really important. So those signals, the customers raving about the product, um, having the pipeline that was there and the product market fit um, really is what it took to get us confident that we could go out and raise around. Yeah, I love that. And then so significant money raised, you know, any lessons, pain points, or if you look back, boy, I wish I could have done this differently or, or something that you want to share with other founders as far as what you've learned in the fundraising journey? Sure. Yeah, I, I think there's, uh, there's some things that are probably cliche at this point. You, know, you, you always wish you raised more. You always need more than you think uh, to get to the next milestone. That's 100% true. Uh-huh. Um, we, uh, we wound up, instead of raising three for our seed round, we wound up raising four. And it was, it was really, I don't know that we would have gotten into the series if we hadn't done that. That made a huge difference at the time. And at the time, it felt excessive, um, mm-hmm. but it was right. It was the right thing to do. Um, and then even now, like always wishing you could raise more, uh, just cause the, there's always more that could be done. Um, and, and, and there's more to do. So if, if you had that money on the table, great. The other thing I'll say is like, it matters, you know, do- dollars are fungible in the economy, but they're not necessarily fungible when it comes to venture capital, uh, who you get money from, who you have on your board, who you have around the table, helping you out is really important. You want to be selective with that because that sends a signal to the next round. Um, it's kind of like hiring you, know, you want to hire a players because a players want to work with a players. You want to make sure that you bring investors around the table that other investors in the future are going to want to work with, um, down, down the road. So that's, that's really important. And then I guess the third thing I'll, I'll, I'll say, you know, in terms of lessons learned is, uh, always be raising, <laughs> um, there's two schools of thought there. One is like, you want a very structured approach and, you know, you're raising for like a two month time period. Um, mm-hmm. you should do that. And I, that's how I typically operate, run a very tight process. That's what we did for our pre-seed, for our seed, and for our series A. You foster relationships, you build your list, you go out and you do your pitches, um, you co- put, pile them into cohorts and you work with one cohort at a time. That's the process that should be followed. But in between those raises, you know, making sure that you're, as I said, like always be raising, always be updating and talking to and building relationships with investors because there's no better time to do that than when you're you don't need capital. Um, mm-hmm. That's when you're going to get the most attention. Yeah, and that's so important. I've heard that from from a couple others about yeah, like you said, in between raises is just that relationship building with your own investors, but just potential investors in that ecosystem. So really, really great uh, advice there. And I keyed in on something where you said earlier about scrubbing the pipeline with your investors. So and you mentioned being selective with your investors. So is that where your investors, you know, are involved or you seek out their advice, you know, and help in some of those operational issues, it, it kind of sounds like. Uh, yeah, I, I think they're, they're fairly intimately involved, uh, in, involved. Um, we, uh, 
we have very deep partnerships with our Series A investors. Um, and I like that as a first time founder who's uh, never worked for a startup before, there's a lot to learn. Uh, yeah. And so I, I really value close partnership um, with them and their involvement yeah. in the business. And so, yeah, we, we talk on a very regular basis about all things, you know, operations, yeah. whether it's hiring or sales, pipeline, every piece of it. And just one last thing before we, we start to wrap up here, but do you, what's your cadence for investor updates? Do you send a monthly email with investor updates, uh, meet monthly? Tell us a little bit about that cadence. Yeah. Okay. This is something I need to get better at actually. So <laughs> <laughs> uh, usually what I've done in the past is a quarterly email update. Um, we're trying to more frequently, you know, publish updates to various audiences. So getting a newsletter out there every month about highlights for what's happening in the company, uh, both from a product perspective, but also importantly from a, from a go-to-market perspective, mm -hmm. from a analyst perspective. For example, you know, we're just featured in a Gartner report. So highlighting stuff like that yeah. is, is, is really important. So being able to share those little tidbits uh, go a long way. And the other thing that I'd like to do is like keep a running list of things that you've celebrated um, not for yourself to go back and look at all that, that's fun, but every time you go and meet with an investor or somebody else who's important to the company, you almost pick like, Hey, these are the three things I want to share with this person that they, you know, since that happened since the last time we spoke, um, having that running list and being able to do that is just really important showing that momentum and just keeping track of it for yourself. It's highly motivating. Yeah, because that's one of those things, such a small thing, but it's so hard if you don't keep that list to go back and try to remember all those you know, small wins over time that, yes. that accumulate. So, you know, really appreciate that insight. So as we wrap up here, what's uh, what's next for your company? What's what's coming up that's exciting? Yeah, so, I mean, we just hit some good milestones. Uh, so, you know, we got to the 10 customer mark. We, we got featured in Gartner Research for identity threat detection. That's great. Um, what's next for us is getting to a million and beyond uh, in terms of ARR. Like as I said, we're about to cross that million threshold, but you know, getting then to, to two and then to three, um, and building out a go-to-market engine that first of all can execute, and then second of all can can scale. I think we want to make sure that all right, it's not just the CEO and the CTO who can sell the product. It's it's people we hire uh, who have their own networks and their own way of talking about what we do, we want to make sure that, you know, we've built something that can really scale out. It's like for us, like that, that's what's next for us. And then really becoming the market leaders in this emerging space, mm -hmm. um, identity threat detection and response is what the analysts are calling it. We want to be who you think of when you're considering, Hey, what happens if an employee account is taken over? How do we know that that's happened and how do we prevent that from happening? We want work to be the first name that people think of. So there's a ton we want to do on branding. Um, that can go a huge, you know, long way in 2023. Um, mm -hmm. So that's really it. It's sales and marketing yeah. and just keep the engineering machine. We have an awesome team there, you know, uh, executing and we'll be in very good shape by the end of next year. That's awesome. That's great to hear, Matt. So really appreciate your time sharing your story. If if our listeners want to learn more about your company, where, where should we send them? Sure. Yeah, you can head over to our website, uh, which is at ort, O-O-R-T dot I-O. Um, you can also hit me up directly on LinkedIn, Matt Caulfield uh, at ORT. Uh, feel free to reach out. Okay, perfect. Well, if listeners want to learn more, O-O-R-T dot I-O, check them out there. And Matt, again, thanks for sharing your background and your, your SaaS story. Yeah, thank you so much, Ben.